Would you pray with me? Father, as we come to you this morning, we come in gratitude. We are so thankful for your word. Jesus, we are thankful for the living water that you offer to us. Father, as we come to you this morning, we're mindful of our brothers and sisters who are battling illness, whether it's at the level of hospitalization or it's simply at the level of fatigue and frustration. We pray that you would bring healing. We ask now that you would open up our hearts, open up our minds to receive what you have for us today through your word. Burn off whatever you need to in my heart and in our hearts to receive from your spirit. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Good morning. If you're joining us here or you're online, I know many are battling just stuff right now. And I know some are, some are home and tune in with us, whether it's right now live or at some time during the week. Uh, we're, glad that, uh, we're glad that you're here. I want to give um, just a quick thanks to, uh, to our staff and our elders who have carried a little extra weight as I've, I've been out. Uh, special thanks to, to Ben as he brought such a powerful word to us last week and then Pastor Dean the you know, previous couple weeks and, and Brad and the rest of our team just carrying that load. So uh, that's really thankful for that and thankful for the new studies that are coming. Uh, Pastor Dean, Andre O'Neill leading us through workshop yesterday on how to study the Bible and then we're starting Revelation today and just a lot of great stuff coming down the pike. And again, as Brad said, uh, would love to see you all this Wednesday on our, on our vision night as we uh, you know, want to share a little bit about what God's put, put on our hearts and get some input from you all as well. All right, so uh, I got to give you one story, one, one surgery recovery story. I'm going to give you one. Uh, I had a moment. Uh, generally, surgeries, you know, went, went well, recovery's gone great. But I had a moment where a combination of pain from surgery and some of the medication that follows, or the wearing off of that medication, some level of sickness, I don't know what I had, that created just this intense dryness and I remember being in bed one night and it was like the calculated deal of do I get out of bed and go through that pain and go down the stairs to get a drink of water or do I just stay in the bed and and suffer and then on top of that just kind of the cumulative weight of the year anybody else felt that the cumulative weight of the year a little bit of discouragement um, and there was just a, I, I felt this weight. So I ended up going downstairs and getting that drink of water. And then over the next, you know, that day, next, next you know, surgery, you're not as clear-minded as you like to be sometimes. But this is one of the things I did. I just opened up the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, I just started reading through. And this is what I found. Jesus is awesome. 
And he is compelling. And as I read that, there was something about all these other things that just kind of faded away for a minute. It wasn't like yippy skippy right now. But there was something so compelling about Jesus. And my heart's cry for you this year is that Jesus will be so compelling to you. That you will be drawn to him. I don't, whatever you're going through, whatever's hard, whatever's joyful, whatever's frustrating, that more than anything else, Jesus will be compelling to you. He will draw you in. He will draw you in. That's what I want for you. We're in this series right now, Encountering Jesus. We're going to spend a whole year on all... Uh, you're, you're going to know the Gospels by the time we're, we're through it. But, but here's... I'm just going to give you a straight-up challenge. A lot of times, preachers, we like to give you all this and get into your heart, and then we'll issue the challenge, and that's good. But I'm going to give it to you right at the start. Here's, here's, what, here's my challenge to you. Take an hour a day this week. An hour a day. And I want you to think of your current media consumption. Whatever that, I don't care if it's social media, I don't care whatever news you like, I don't care your politics, I don't care what podcast you listen to. Take an hour. Good night, I'm preaching already. Take an hour and make a, make, make a substitution. Turn that off for an hour and just straight up read the Gospels and see how compelling Jesus will be. Are you with me? It's a challenge. Take it or leave it. You got your own program, fine. It's, you, we don't like to be told what to do. That's kind of how we are as a people. But I'm going to tell you, as your lead pastor, that's what I want, want for you this week. Take an hour a day and see what happens. See what happens. All right. Let's get into the text. I love just hearing it the way we did. I, I want to come back and do do a little bit. Um, this series, Encountering Jesus, you know, last week we looked at kind of this, um, this young guy, Nathaniel, without guile, a little rough around the edges, hey, and coming to Jesus, hey, can anything good come from Nazareth? And Jesus revealing himself to Nathaniel. Next week we're going to look at the learned Pharisee, Nicodemus. Today we're looking at this Samaritan woman. And Jesus' encounter with her. Now, I don't want to assume anything. Some of you read this story a bunch of times. And you're like, oh, good night. What's Jason going to do with the story? How's he going to handle it? Where's he going to go? What angle is he going to take? What's he going to emphasize? Others are like, this brand new. Wherever you are, let's open up our minds, open up our hearts to what Jesus would have for us today. All right, let me give you a little background. I want to take you to... Um, John 4, verse 1, and I've broken this down into three movements. Three movements. The first is this, from barriers to bridges. Barriers to bridges. Let me take you to 4, verse 1. Now, Jesus learned that the Pharisees, the religious teachers, the ones in power, had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. This is John the Baptist. This is not the evangelist John, the gospel writer John, the disciple of John. 
By the way, we're, we're getting this through John's lens, the disciple, inner circle of Jesus. Beautiful story. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Verse 4, now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob. Okay, this is the same Jacob we talked about last week also known as Israel, had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. Now let me give you a little bit of introductory background here. I want you to think about this journey. There's going to be some conflict between the Jews and the Samaritans. It's an old story. We'll talk about that here in just a second. But I want you to get the geography down for just a second. Okay, Judea to Galilee. I want you to, you know, and I, I'm directionally challenged. I'm not great with maps. Thank God for map quests and things like that. But I was doing a little, okay, what would this be like? So let's say I walked from Greenwood to Lafayette, to Purdue University, about, I don't know, 70 some miles or so. That's probably, depending on where they were distance wise, Galilee, or I'm sorry, uh, Judea, up north into Galilee. Now, there was issue between the Jews and the Samaritans. So if you were a proper Jew, there was so much conflict, you probably wouldn't normally go through Samaria. You'd go around. So instead of going, walking straight up 65, you'd maybe take 465 east, Go up 31, cut across. So that's what we're dealing with here. Now, Jesus is going to say, hey, I, he has to go through Samaria. Now, what's interesting, you can look at that a number of ways. I want to look at it this way. I believe the Holy Spirit is leading him. Saying, you had to do this. This is where you're going to go. You're going to stop at Sakar. There's going to be a conversation that will happen. Verse 7. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Now let's talk about these boundaries here. What are the boundaries that are existent here? First of all, there is a cultural barrier. There's a cultural barrier. There is, there is a hatred between the Jews and the Samaritans that goes way, way back. What's the nature of that conflict? We go all the way back to when the Assyrians came in, they took over. Remember Jonah? Okay, we talked about the evil Assyrians and Nineveh and all that stuff. Well, what happened? The Assyrians come in and they, you know, they, they 
deported a lot of uh, the, the Samarit, uh, Samaritans. Uh, other people from other places came in. And what you eventually had was a combination of religious practices. Fancy term for that is syncretism. So in other words, there was a mixture of, okay, we're, we're Jews, we're going to worship Yahweh, and we've got some other gods, some other practices that we might encounter. The Jews, uh, uh, you know, a, a purity of their, of their practice despised the Samaritans. The Samaritans would actually build another, kind of their own temple. The Jews would burn that to the ground, which didn't exactly uh, make for a nicety of relationships. There was an opportunity when the, uh, back in Ezra, Nehemiah, rebuilding of the wall, uh, or rebuilding of the temple, and the Samaritans said, hey, we'll, we'll chip in, we'll, we'll help, and the Jews said no. So there's a cultural barrier. There's a cultural barrier that Jesus will break down just to have this conversation. She's also a woman. Jesus will offer her some profound truth. He's going to reveal himself to her. In this particular context for a a, a Jewish teacher, a rabbi to to teach any woman in in, in particular, but to to teach a Samaritan woman and reveal these profound truths, staggering. So there's a cultural barrier. She has a past. A lot of debate about what that past actually was. But I think it's safe to say that people observing this interaction would have been surprised. Would have been, how, how Jesus could you have this conversation with this Samaritan woman. So there's a cultural barrier. There is a theological barrier, a limited understanding. The Samaritans only accepted the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Old Testament. They didn't have the Psalms. They didn't have a lot of those other great truths. So there was a limitation in their theology. And then finally, I believe there was a a barrier of pain in her life. Call it sin, call it sinned against, some combination thereof. There was a barrier there. How does Jesus break through that barrier? How does he begin? He actually has a conversation with her. There's an open conversation that we'll get into. But I want you to think of those barriers. And I, I, want, you, I want to ask you the question, is Jesus compelling to you? And what are the barriers that keep you from seeing him so clearly that he is compelling? We're in a time right now, a lot of cultural division just a little bit of politicizing and polarization all over the place. One of the things I love about reading the Bible, friends, there ain't nothing new here under the sun. <laughs> Sometimes we think our conflicts are, are so profound that Jesus can't break through that. 
the Jews and the Samaritans? Roman Christians, Jewish Christians? There is a vision in the New Testament of bringing this whole thing together. Not compromising anything, but there's a, there's a higher vision of who Jesus is that is so compelling. So what for you might be some of those barriers? Maybe, maybe there's some cultural. I can't, get, I can't get over this politically. I can't get over, you know, whatever that might be. I don't know. For some of you, it might be a, a limited theological understanding. I don't really know what I believe and why I believe it. And others, that might just be some pain. Just some pain, some loss. Some relationship heartache. Physical pain. Anxiety, depression, whatever that may be. But I would invite you to now consider what what might those barriers be? And would you be open to Jesus bridging that gap of knocking down that barrier? So let's continue. Let's move on. The next movement, I call it wonder to worship. Wonder to worship. Verse 10. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. I love the way Jesus teaches. Jesus invariably will give us word pictures. He will give us a word picture that says, I'm going to give you something more than literal water. I got something spiritual for you. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and that well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? Jesus, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water that I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Now, when we look at the posture of the Samaritan woman, I believe there is an openness, there is a wonder to her. I'm going to give you something that will never run out. I'm going to give you something that will satisfy your thirst forever. Who wouldn't want that? Who wouldn't want that water? She didn't understand it. But there's a wonder, there's an openness, there's a desire that says, I want this. Now, the conversation doesn't end here. And this is one of the truths I want you to to walk away with today. Jesus, if we're open, 
if we're open to the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, if we're open to prayer, if we're open to Jesus actually communicating to you, to me, Jesus always takes the conversation where it needs to go. Jesus will always take the conversation where it needs to go. Not always where you and I may want it to go, but where it needs to go. Jesus is interested in her heart, her personal life, her worship. So what's he saying in verse 16? Hey, go call your husband and come back. Seems like a non sequitur. I mean, it seems like it's just out of the blue. How do we make this shift? Is there, was there something lost in the middle of these verses? We're just talking about water. Now you're saying, go, go get my husband? What's going on here? Well, you know, one, for a, for a, a Jewish rabbi to, to, to talk with a, a woman alone here, a Samaritan woman, would have been, you know, somewhat scandalous. But I believe at some level Jesus is doing this. He's going to have this conversation. Now, one of the beautiful parts of this particular story is we see both Jesus' humanity. Is he really thirsty when he sits down? Physically thirsty? He's probably walked 30 something. The answer is yes. It's not like he's, he's I'm just going to pretend like I'm thirsty. I'm going to pretend like I'm tired. No, he's really thirsty. He's really tired. He's fully man. And he's the son of God. He has some insight. How all that works at this particular time, I don't know. But they work together. So he has some insight about this woman. At some level, maybe he's testing her to say, Will you open yourself up? Are you just going to keep a barrier up and say, I'm going to pretend like I'm something I'm not? I have no husband, she replied. You're right when you say that you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands and the man you now have is is not your husband. What you've just said is, is quite true. Now, if you look at all the commentaries on this, there are a wide range of understandings of this. Was she some promiscuous woman? Was she, did her husband die? Is there some like symbolic interpretation of all this? I'm just going to look at it very simply. Say, I think she went through a lot of pain. I think this is a woman that's had a very hard life. Probably some level of her own decisions. Decisions over perhaps when she had no agency. But the bottom line, there is a pain in her life. Can you hear that in the text? Can you feel that pain? What you have just said is quite true. What does Jesus know? He knows her heart. So the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. There's something special, Jesus. 
How does she respond? All right, it, it's there's a there, there's a level of I, 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 we're talking about your personal story, but she's going to shift the conversation. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Now, some people read this and they say, well, you know, she's just, she's dodging Jesus, she's evading, maybe a little bit. But there's a beautiful connection, there's a brilliance in the text, there's a brilliance of the way John will put this together, tell the story, brilliance in the way Jesus will interact with her. Because we're talking about worship. What we worship what we give ultimate worth and value to, what quenches our thirst, and our personal lives are not disconnected, friends. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews. Okay, you want to go there? Jesus is going to complete the story. He's going to say, yes, this is, this is what is true. This is what is true. Let's talk more. Let me show you what true worship looks like. Verse 23, yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God, his spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. So what does this mean? Again, depending on which translation you look at, some will have spirit, small s, as in the core of who you are, your heart, your innermost being, other translations will say the Spirit, capital S, as in Holy Spirit. I think there's a both inness to the passage. I look at this and I make a beeline to Romans 8 16. I'm going to go right there. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. So the very core of who I am, the very core of who you are, your very spirit with the Holy Spirit reminds us who we are, reminds us who God is. When I see who I am, how did I become a child of God? God looked at me and said, hey, that's a good dude right now, I'm going to. He's, you know, I don't know, 68% on the morality scale. Dang, you're in. Sorry, you didn't make it. Is that the way it works? No, I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to die. I'm going to pay the penalty for your sin. When I grasp that, when I see what Jesus did for me, I mean, I really see that, not just in the abstract. But I really grasp that. And I know that's how I can become a child of God. The sacrifice that Jesus made for me. 
God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in the truth. Now we're talking about more than a get out of hell free card. Sure, yeah. There's a every day. There's a kingdom now. There's a present now that Jesus is talking about here. The woman said, I know the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. I, I get this partly, but there's more to the story. There's more. But I know, I, 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 I've got this wonder, I've got this curiosity. I am open. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Samaritan woman, marginalized, outcast in multiple ways. She's the one that receives this truth, this profound truth that hasn't been revealed in other places. Let that sit for a moment when you think about the character of our God. Now, the last point, seeing to sharing. I'm just going to read this. What happens? What's the rest of the story? Just then his disciples returned, verse 27, were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? I, I love just the thought of John putting this together and remembering, writing this down, being led by the Holy Spirit. Then leaving her water jar, jar the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come, come. See, a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. And then I want to jump down to verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed two days and because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves. And we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. There's a progression from seeing, not with 100% clarity, Hey, he told me everything about me. I'm, I'm beginning to grasp this. What is her natural response? I'm going to share it. That's her testimony. Those are her words. This is what my encounter with Jesus was. It's so real. It's so compelling that I cannot help but share it. But share it. That hope that she sees, that opportunity that she sees, See, she simply shares it. Now, if we had more time, we'd talk about the irony of the disciples in town trying to figure out if Jesus really needed food or what he was talking about. And the actual Samaritans coming to faith. But it's a beautiful challenge to move from seeing to sharing.
Now, as we reflect on this story, we're going to go to the communion table together. I don't want to rush it, but if you're a follower of Jesus, I would invite you to go ahead and hold in your hand the bread and the, and the cup. I would involve, also just invite you, I, w- I want to take a moment here this morning, and I would invite you to, to close your eyes. To close your eyes. I want, I want us to see Jesus so clearly. So I'm going to guide us through, but I want you to reflect for a moment. Now is, is your time to have your own encounter with Jesus. When you take this long, hard look at him, what do, you, what do you see? Do you see his compassion? Do you see his love? Not only did Jesus, tired, thirsty, take the time to listen to the Samaritan woman and see her true need and meet her true need, so too does Jesus take time for you and for me. This would not be the last time Jesus would be thirsty. Later, Jesus would take another hot and thirsty journey. But this time, there would be no place to sit down, no rest, no water for him. As John would record later in his gospel, Jesus, knowing that his work on the cross was finished, said, I thirst. There would only be a sponge full of sour wine lifted to his mouth on a hyssop branch. And when he had received sour wine, after he had endured the full measure of his pain and the full depth of his thirst, he simply said, it is finished. And he died so that we would thirst no more. So that we could have the living water of eternal life, the living water of a life filled with the Holy Spirit an abundant life in relationship with Jesus. So what about you this morning? What about us this morning? What about this offer? Maybe you can identify with this woman's pain. You can identify with the thirst she was trying to quench. Maybe you have a thirst. You have relationships that can never satisfy You're tired, too, of coming back to the well each day and having your thirst temporarily satisfied. But then you have to come back. It's a new relationship, a new job, a new high, a new experience to satisfy a need that deep down you know can't be satisfied without going to a well that's deeper than what you've experienced. Jesus' offer might seem too simple, too good to be true, but you're ready at last to give Jesus' offer a fresh hearing. If a town in Samaria was willing to spend some time with Jesus, maybe you and I should do that as well. So as we reflect, as we allow the Spirit to guide us, we're reminded of the simple truth that Jesus knew everything about this woman. He knows everything about you. He knows everything about me. And he loves us. 
said, I can satisfy your thirst forever. So it's that truth that we remember. And I would invite you now to take the bread and remember that on the night Jesus was betrayed, he broke the bread and after giving thanks, he said, this is my body broken for you. Take, eat, do this in remembrance of me. May we receive the bread together. In the same way, Jesus took the cup and he said, this is the blood, blood shed for you, the blood of the new covenant, the forgiveness of sins. May we receive the cup together. Jesus, we thank you for your love for us. May your spirit guide us even as we sing and give you praise. It's in Jesus' name that we do pray. Amen.